Victoria, welcome to Invest Like a Girl podcast. I love this name. Thank you. (laughs) Now, I've been following you for the last few years, but for anyone listening who doesn't know Victoria's world, can you just share what you do and where you live and what you're passionate about? Yeah. Living in the Northern Rivers right now, I'm passionate about seeing Eros integrated into society. Um, working with the technology of and the medicine that is Eros. And um, what I do right now is I run my school, the Institute of New Paradigm Intimacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a retreat coming up. Um, yeah, and I'm dabbling in the world of Web3 and education around Web3, those pieces. Yeah. I'm so excited for the polarity in this conversation. <laughs> for someone listening who hasn't been immersed in the world of Euros and the evolution of that. Can you just explain what that is and how you kind of got involved in this world? Yeah, I feel like the world got involved with me. (laughs) It was such an experience of like, um, like it kind of, like I couldn't get away from it. You know, it was just like so in my space. I feel like the world of Euros got involved with me. I feel like it was this experience of like every time I was looking for a job, a normal job or anything in the realms that of like the normal world, like a restaurant or a cleaning job or something like that, you know, back in the day when I was a backpacker, all that kept coming up was just like, ah, oh, do you want to come and clean my house naked? Or do you want to come and, you know, come into this world of sexuality? And it was just like, kept coming, kept coming. And I was like, what is this place? Is this just Australia? This is so strange to me. And like kept pushing it, pushing it away. And then um, I was in a really, abusive relationship back in like 2014 2015 and as I came out of that I just had this moment where I was like sitting on the back steps of my apartment and feeling like the just completely disconnected from myself and my path and all these things and I just had this moment when I felt this little flicker this little flame inside of me and I was like oh that's that's me that's the essence of this piece that wants to come through and so I started to like go through all of the discomfort and the darkness of really like touching this place and at the time I was like right there's something here around sexuality like I knew from when I was like 17 that I wanted to do some sort of sexuality mentoring even though I didn't think that was a job <laughs> like when I was 17 that like coaches weren't really a thing so <laughs> so there was this like this understanding of just like how do I how do these things come together And in like going through all that density, like really coming into my body, being able to feel my body again after like quite a a shitty, shitty relationship, there was like, uh, like it's almost like I came into a vibrational match with possibility for Eros. And I said, and and the people, I was seeking mentors. I was seeking people to help me and I couldn't find anyone. And like Instagram was really not Instagram how it was back then. Like, like finding people or finding like this work was just not as easy. Um, and I don't, really don't think like it was a big thing at that time. And then just through that process of like really beginning to connect with myself, like synchronicity just opened to me. And I would just, I just met people that had like really long standing organizations or had been in this work for such a long time, like these real pioneers of um, the sexuality space. And it was, it was incredible because it was, it meant I got to have like this inside space scope really into like what was possible I love that and I want to touch on something 
around your ayahuasca journey in a second, but can you just for listeners who maybe don't understand what Euros actually means, what is the definition of Euros? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I want to say, I want to put a disclaimer in, right? My definition of Eros <laughs> may be different to everybody else's definition of Eros. If we go Google or def, like dictionary definition, we're looking at like a little Greek God, you know, that called Eros. So like, that's like one aspect of it, but what is the, um, the way that I speak about Eros, the way I've discovered Eros through my own body is it's like this, um, it's what's coming through from the life force energy. So I feel like we all are born into this world with life force energy. It's like a pulse in our body of like scoping out aliveness and it is the aliveness within us. And you can kind of see the difference in like a, a young person, like a child, mm-hmm. they have a lot of life force energy. And then as we get older, sometimes like beliefs, ideas, dogma, conditioning, all these things kind of get stacked on top of our life force energy which then forces us to feel a lot of numbness, a lot of exhaustion, a lot of draining energy, which if you see somebody who doesn't have access to this, you can kind of walk, watch them walking down the street. You can kind of see that that spark of life is not really in them anymore. And mm-hmm. that's because it's been crushed by a lot of ideas, basically. Um, and what I really feel like happens is like this Eros has the capacity to kind of, it kind of upwells from the life force energy and it takes us towards creative projects or partnerships or, um, places that we are feeling drawn to. And usually one of the scope ways you can scope out what you're feeling drawn to is like, what's giving you goosebumps, what's giving you that, that hit of aliveness inside of your, inside of your system. And it seems like what happens to me is like we get called out of those places of knowing that goosebumps, that part of ourselves um, by things that we think we need to do or things that people we think we need to be. Mm. And a lot of my work is just like really coming back into how do we get back in attunement with that Eros and lead our lives from that place? Because my perspective is, is like when we lead from there, it's like things are more sustainable. They create better relationships last longer. They provide for us they help our nervous systems if we don't it's just kind of adrenaline and wounding and like messy (laughs) yeah I know and I feel like there's something you said uh in your webinar around when you react Mm. to, to the world and your surroundings from a place of like oh, I, I should be doing this because that looks cool and that's what's going to look good on my resume instead of like coming back and being like, is that actually my divine alignment and seeing where I need to go from a space of like decoding society's expectations but coming back to like, does that feel good for me? Yeah. Which I think is so empowering. Completely. And what I'm noticing when I speak to a lot of people about this is like we're not even connected to our true desires because our desires are so deeply interwoven with what Instagram is showing us, what, you know, what the world is showing us in the way of what, who we think we need to be. And a lot of my, this connecting back into Eros, I think, is coming back into that quiet place mm. where you really know yourself and feeling what occurs from there. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. I think that especially in the 21st century today, we're so busy 24 seven and there is that delayed response of like being able to even just sit without our phones and be present and understand our, you know, our inner workings without all of this fear and, you know, belief systems that aren't even aligned to us. 
completely mm. so interesting so I wanted to start this conversation off you won an ayahuasca experience in Brazil <laughs> yeah it's pretty crazy hey talk us through that experience like what yeah it's like it comes to me the the funniest part for me is that it came to me through a facebook ad like you know like i know our facebook ads are listening to us but like seriously feeling that experience of like if we're just going full cosmic on it if mother ayahuasca is coming to you for a facebook ad it's like (laughs) you know like at the time it was um you know it was in my consideration i was really like um thinking about it i was in mexico at the time and it just come up as a as an advert on my in my sponsored ads on facebook it said like do you want to win a ayahuasca journey in brazil and this was like when i looked up the like the place of where this was and it wasn't like some like crazy little shack in the bush this was like the most one of the i think it was like the second best like most prestige place you can do ayahuasca basically so it was like a luxury retreat as well <laughs> Yeah, and it was just like a little writing competition, writing a blog for their um, website. And then we, my partner and I, we actually won this. So it was crazy. <laughs> and talk us through what was it like when you arrived there? Oh, it's, it was just beautiful. It was the most restful, most peaceful jungle space that just had like a beach at the end of the road. It was it was just phenomenal. It was, like I, I, It feels like a like a mirage in my mind now, you know? <laughs> wow. And what was your ayahuasca experience like? Yeah, I was very lucky. I, this, I, I, when I talk to other people about their experience, it sounds like it was, it can be really hectic for people. Mm. But for me, um, I just did a, a Vipassana. So I did 11 days um, in silence basically. And then three days later, I flew from Panama to Brazil to do this ayahuasca journey and all of this magically timed somehow from like replying to do Vipassana and finding this competition to do the ayahuasca journey and I feel like I put this down to what made this so easeful and blissful for both me and my partner like everybody was purging and having a really rough time and I was like seeing the cosmos and just fully in this like blissful unraveling of here's your purpose, here's your career, here's your, you know, here's how to work with your magic. Like, this is how your magic is going to come to you. Like Cleopatra coming in and just like showing me the stars and talking to me about how to align with the planets. Like there was so much like things that I'd never even thought about. Like I'm getting goosebumps even just talking about it because like a lot of this information that we all have access now to from social media and from just how we were living, like that wasn't there when I, when I did this in uh, 20. 16 you know like mm. 2016 it like just the world was just wasn't like that and it felt like I just got to ride this wave with a bunch of other awesome humans <laughs> that were also feeling it and um, like yourself and it just watching yeah watching this kind of evolution of humanity just rolling in and becoming mm. mainstream which is incredible yeah I did ayahuasca um in this place in Newcastle and the shaman like actually grew mother ayahuasca vine outside in his backyard, which obviously isn't meant to grow in Australian climate. And it was the most intense experience. I definitely wasn't as blessed as you as like 
having this divine experience man was like a little bit more savage but um it was really interesting when the shaman was speaking about it he was like I actually don't take quote unquote you know normal people into do mother ayahuasca he's like I'm only looking to really help people who really need help and that's going to change their life forever and he's healed like blind people blah 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 and I just came back from America and I actually met a shaman there and I'm like so excited because I felt like it just fell back into my lap because I was like I'm not gonna go and look for ayahuasca I'm just gonna let it like naturally come back into my journey um and so yeah I'm really excited to kind of like dive into back into plant-based medicine I feel like it was something that really it brought up so much stuff for me and my like family and my you know my parents that really like things that I didn't want to speak about so that was really cool for me but yeah I feel like it's such an experience that everyone has such a different Mm -hmm. kind of I don't know it's like a a different potion for everyone completely Mm. you know this is something i've been observing about plant medicine because obviously it's boomed in the last like i don't know five or six years especially and there's this sense of like you know visions and things that can open to us and i do feel like it it, well it really showed me the highest possible timeline you know and then after that i really went into this i basically got shown my path in sexuality and showed me kind of how to harness a lot of the information and go deeper which is kind of what i was asking for and in that process of like going into the depth of eros as medicine versus like the ayahuasca as medicine i started to see sort of the differences you know it was almost like the integration of eros um it was it's so like they're both real trance states you know it's both like lifting off into another planet basically but the capacity to like integrate that into the body almost happens in such a different timeline because you don't go anywhere you know it's like when you um hallucinate as such you kind of it feels like you're leaving a little bit but this is like such a uh, arousal like our state of arousal in the medicine of eros it takes us into this very fluid place but it doesn't take us so far out of our system so Mm -hmm. my and 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 also it does kind of feel more dangerous in a way because of that you know it's like what what we have to deal with here on the play on the 3d reality is like dealing with the consequences of our actions you know and what i've noticed is what can occur in eros and what feels fluid and open in eros because we're navigating erotic energy and sexual energy on such a plane of um monogamy usually or concepts of like really um confusing sex with love and things like that it's almost like the, the purity of um, the transpersonal relationship to Eros gets a little bit lost and a little bit watered down. And I feel like this is kind of what I'm calling for. It's like what happens when it's not such a, a personal experience. But to even get to that phase, we kind of have to have quite a lot of healing with our sexuality on the personal realm because first and foremost, it needs to land there. So I feel like that's kind of where things are going, but the evolution is for us to get really okay and find where sex lives in our personal lives. Because at the moment it feels still a bit detached and a bit, um, it's still used in a very much, like I speak to lots of couples and people every day. And I'm hit, what I hear mostly is that it's just being used as a power dynamic. You know, like, oh, 
I'm going to withhold this sex or I'm going to give this sex or I'm going to make you think I'm going to have sex with this person. Like there's so much power that is at play at the moment. And until that kind of drops through, we're actually not going to be able to feel like the the truth of where Eros actually wants to open and guide us to. So interesting. So at the start of your career, you you called yourself a tantra witch. Tantric witch, yeah. Tantric witch. <laughs> so what did that mean to you? Well, that was just something that landed. It was just like, I feel like it was a way of, um, you know, at the time, young me thought that was going to be a way of distinguishing myself from the crowd. And so I would only get people that were really working with that kind of mythical realm of reality. Mm. I really didn't want to work. I didn't want to attract a lot of muggles. <laughs> that was kind of where I was going with that name. And then at some point during my career, like just kind of just before the new paradigm intimacy came in, it was like this felt sense of like, you know, that served its purpose now. Mm. You know, it was like, I feel like it was a way for me to step into like um, out of the kind of mundane 3Dness of who I was as a human being and into who I really felt like I was. And I felt like growing into that. I then was able to kind of just be myself again. Mm. You know, this is, I feel like we're just having a chat now, <laughs> but like, I'm curious to hear what you think about this. Cause like, mm. I'm really tracking this with the coaching industry in general. Like, I feel like the coaching industry is like, you kind of have this big vision of who you want to be. You become that big vision. And then people start to see you and know you as this big person on the internet. And I feel like you've got the same piece as me. You've got like a persona on the internet. Mm. And then there's like a, I feel like once you've kind of found yourself in it, I feel like there's just like a, a releasing of it. And I think what I'm observing is like, I'm personally in the, in the process now of now, just like, how do I release some of this? How do I let go of some of this um, persona that I've created to come mm. into deeper sense of humanity, to come into more of the truth of what, the, what my work wants to become? Yeah, I I totally resonate with what you just said because I think that in any quote-unquote career that you're wanting to step into, you kind of go into this mode of like being who we think that industry needs us to be Mm. instead of really being like, well, is that my truest, authentic, highest version of myself? Mm. And do I is this like going to be my lifelong journey purpose whatever you want to call it um and I I think that that that's where it's like such a being in the online space you're consistently needing to show up and sometimes it gets confused with like are you showing up for you and your community or are you showing up because that's what you think that you need to do to be seen as the authority in that industry Mm. completely and it's, it's, it's kind of sad because you, you look at the next generation who are growing up with mobile phones and internet and technology in front of their face and the evolution of Web3. Mm. It's like, well, what's going to happen next? Mm. Like how are we going to navigate these new souls through this like new evolution of technology? Well, I have an opinion on that if you want to hear it. I do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like. The whole Web3 space, like I, you know, obviously you've seen a bit of my career. I'm really leaning heavily towards the possibilities of this. And there's multiple reasons. Like I've already started implementing some of the technology that I've been tracking through the Web3 space into my business, which mm-hmm. shows up in the sense of um, decentralized autonomous organizations. 
And what that looks like, these DAOs, they call them, is like how does, instead of it being like a personal brand, CEO at the top and then everybody else filtered down, it's more like how does this group of people come together and make a decision with shared power and like different like um, ways of doing voting systems and how to share the resources of what this thing is creating. And I'm already sort of implementing some of that with my business, like some of it, like to the detriment of my PL. <laughs> like the, um, but because I really believe in it, like I really believe that we can share power. And what I'm starting to see is like mm. on the other side of this, what I feel like the Web3 space is going is, you know, at the moment we live in the personal brand era, which is all about canceling people and making them, you know, idolizing people's ideas, taking down other people's ideas like blasting people, um, you know, from one end to the other, like loving them and hating them and making it all about that person. And I feel like Web3 is actually a lot more impersonal and that will have its ups and downs, of course. But one great thing about that is freedom of speech is really going to come back. So like, even if I didn't have my profile photo on an Instagram thing, someone could still find out that I said that because it comes back to my IP, my um like my computer, all the things that are connected to that. Versus when we go into the Web3 space, what we're opening ourselves up to is a world of anonymity. You know, it's like, so we can be anonymous when we're sharing ideas, opinions, and different things like that. And I believe what that's going to create is instead of people being like, oh, I want to get this Vic transmission or, you know, go work with Ella for Ella's transmission. It's going to be more about like, what is these groups of people cultivating? And where do I feel drawn to? And it's more about inter interacting with um, like the energy. And this is how I would often describe my, my school. You know, you've got the new paradigm intimacy. It has its own life force. It's not me. It's almost like I birthed it. I cut the umbilical cord and now it's growing. You know, it's finally walking on its own. And I'm curious to see if the new paradigm intimacy can walk alone in the world as an energy holding itself. Because what I've been experiencing as a personal brand era person is that people want me sometimes and not the school and it's actually the magic lives inside of the school and the co-creation of what I've done with other people um I personally don't feel like I'm anything special you know inside of that concept it's just that I had the the initiation path of birthing it yeah no I think web3 is this whole new world that I think as anything in the crypto space, everyone's very at the start. They're like, I don't understand it, so I'm just going to judge it and be fearful. But I think as you're saying there, it, it creates this whole new opportunity for us as business owners. But also I think it also gives us a lot of a layer of protection, especially in your space, because I think a lot of people still struggle. Like sex is such a topic that is still not openly spoken about. Mm -hmm or sexuality or like what you're doing in the bedroom or how you're self-pleasuring or all these different kind of conversations that you speak quite openly to. I think a lot of people are like, I want to be immersed in that, but I'm still judging myself and I'm still struggling to like dive into that world. If you, if someone was listening and they're still struggling with their sexuality and kind of shaming themselves for it, what would you, what kind of advice would you give them? Yeah, I mean, this is the whole piece that we created the self-pleasure modality for. So at the school, New Paradigm Intimacy, we have the self-pleasure modality. And inside of the self-pleasure modality, it's about really um, coming down from the thoughts into the emotions, into the feelings, and down into the sensations, and then speaking to the sensations in your body with sound, breath, movement, and touch. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And the purpose of that is so that this, when you are in the world, what is going on inside of your body becomes louder than what's going on out there. Mm. And that particular mechanism of letting you and the voice of you become louder than your conditioning, your ideas, your beliefs, your parents' ideas, your church's ideas, your school's ideas, your, you know, the company you works for ideas of who you need to be and who you are, when they become quieter than what's inside, and this becomes the leading dominant like voice in your reality, your whole life will change and you won't be even in that conversation of like, who, you know, am I this person if I talk about sex? You know, you're not even in that reality. Mm-hmm. And actually that probably like, um, not probably, that transpires to how you show up in the bedroom as well. Like when you are having sex, if you are in the con- the consideration of how do I look, what does this person think of me? You know, am I, you know, all these different ideas versus actually being with what's going on in your body and making the space for you to be yourself completely. Like that's the difference between shit sex and actually fully receiving like the complete um, divinity as you spoke of, of who you really are and opening to that, um, that force of nature that's really living inside of you that wants to express itself in the world. Wow. That's incredible. And like in this teachings, like what would you say if something that women or men can just dabble into, you know, this week in their bedroom, what, what would be like a little tool we could give them? Yeah. Um, something that I work with is like a tool that I've called like being the stronger mirror. And what that means is like, you know, I hear from a lot of women, especially is like, ah, oh, sometimes I want him to slow down or I want him to do this or I want him to do that. Mm. Um, and, you know, men have their own version of this, but I'm just going to talk to women for the moment. And there is a sense of like, I don't want to, um, I don't want to tell him off or I don't want to tell him he's doing it wrong. And this happens both ways, but I'm just using this example. Um and this is where I feel like coming, being the stronger mirror comes in. If you actually do your self-pleasure practice, which means just being with your body for any period of time, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, mm-hmm. over a course of a time, your system starts to inform spaces. So when you come into sex, you're not, you're not just like responding and reacting to this person that's wanting to make love with you. Your body already has the pathways to how you want to be in an experience of sensuality which makes you um, the stronger mirror ultimately. And if I'm the stronger mirror, I don't even have to tell my partner, hey, can you slow down or um, can you do something different? I'm able to just um, bring my bring it through the transmission and presence through my hands. So if like, let's say for, as an example, I'm with a man and he's like, I don't know, jackhammering me, <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> you know. Yep. The difference is, is if I have so much presence in my body, that I can bring my hands over his shoulders and slowly bring them down his arms in such a way mm. it's going to bring him into that presence that he will naturally slow down without me even needing to say anything. Mm. But it takes basically the loudest thing in the bedroom is presence. And when we have the capacity to bring more presence into every single finger, limb, on our body and then transmit it through our touch mm. like our whole 
experience of sex changes. Mm. So how is like going through this whole experience that you've been through, you know, in the, in the, you know, the decade that you've been in this industry, what, what, how has your like personal sex life changed? Like, like just looking back on previous relationships or partners, like to now, what does that, what does that look like? Yeah. I mean, it's evolved in like, you know, it's not like, oh, it's evolved like this. It's evolved like every single direction and in in different ways possible. You know, it's just like more range, more variety, more possibility. Um, And I would say the biggest thing that I notice with my clients and also with myself is like when like it used to be a belief of like if I want to have better sex than as a woman then I need to be more feminine I need to surrender I need to and this is a massive teaching that's still big on the internet right now (laughs) you know it's part of my space and a lot of my journey has just been completely letting that go like the man needs to be more masculine the woman needs to be more feminine and blah 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 like makes me kind of sick now to be honest makes me angry (laughs) but the um in the letting go of that what's emerged is just like so much more possibility Mm. and like the capacity to really read the situation for what is what the body's really yearning for in that moment versus needing to be in any kind of role or be any kind of sexual being it's like sex has just opened up in a way of like being able to listen in a much more quieter present way and the polarity that I personally have with my partner is not based on any kind of like um, excitement or adrenaline or fast pacedness is based on just like, wow, what wants to happen now? And just like the complete awe and wonderment of just like, wow, where is this going? You know, like in any given moment. And I find that the, we're having more sex because of that, because we're not looking to create polarity or something like that. Mm. So interesting. And would you say, have you like are you in a monogamous or an open relationship? Monogamish. Monogamish. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And what would you say to someone who maybe is in a monogamous relationship, but they're having conversations around bringing another partner, another lover into their bedroom? What would you kind of was there any boundaries or like conversations that you think need to be had before um, they step into the bedroom? Yeah, I mean, there's so many ways that conversation can go. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I, I, it's, not, it's funny, like I live in the Northern Rivers, right, and I feel like so many of the people that come and see me come with the same sort of questions, like dogmas, mm. kind of want to open. So there's something that's happening in the water, right? It's been a curiosity people have had for years. Obviously, I've come from a very polyamorous background um, and it's kind of evolved into somewhere beyond labels. I can't give any particular one directional advice because every single couple and person that I has been through this initiation has had a completely different experience. Mm. Uh, and I think that's the point. Yeah, I think I think the point is of why we're all feeling this pull towards change is not because the whole world is ready to become polyamorous, it's because we are trying to break down the paradigm of relating to find the truth of what we actually want as in a relationship. Mm. And my scope on it if, and advice would be if you kind of create that as the, if that is your truth, I mean, some people do just want polyamory, 
if your truth is just on exploration, let exploration be the, the journey because I feel a lot of people wanting to explore and then make it all about having sex with somebody else. Mm. It's like, okay, I, I feel my desire towards this other person. Or what does that mean for my relationship? Bringing it into the relationship, feeling the, the felt sense of what's actually coming up on an emotional level, on a physical level, on a conditioning level, you know, and letting yourself just like move through all those layers. And yeah, really just scoping out where the nervous system of your relationship is versus, and also where the nervous system of each of the individuals are. Because mm. in like felt feeling the felt sense of that and also just receiving a lot of inf- like asking a lot of questions, like speaking to your partner about their desires and speaking to other people that have gone through these, these processes does really help. Yeah. Because it opens up your scope of like what you think it is and what it really is, you know? Mm. So it always feels like it's all about sex until you realize it's not about sex at all. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Do you want to do you want to know some interesting tea that I found out this week? My mom is going on a date with a woman, which she hasn't done before, and she called me up and she's like, "I haven't told you this, but I'm really excited." I was like, "Mom, this is amazing! Like, I'm so." proud of you and I think my grandma turned lesbian after like four marriages and then my auntie's lesbian so it's definitely in our blood and I think that you know it's it's such an interesting conversation and me and my mom are very open we talk about everything but it was funny at the start I was like I was trying to envision it and I'm like I, I was like this is so cool that I get to see my mom even going through this exploration at like 44 mm. yeah I feel like it never ends. Mm, completely. Yeah. And that I think that's the biggest learning I've got out of this experience. Like when you say, are you monogamy or are you polyamorous? I'm like, mm. you know, I say monogamous for the sake of the conversation, but it's like it's so much bigger than that. And I really don't feel like there's any label that can be put on my relationship status anymore. Mm. Because it's such an evolution always. So true. I guess we just use these labels to kind of like, for people to make sense of what we're doing. Yeah. And also to create a level of safety for our beloved, I think, mm. you know, like in a world of like everything's changing so quickly, you can swipe right to get your next day on the next day. I think mm. there's something to be said about commitment and there's something to be said about anchoring in and really like going into an initiation path with another human being. And I think a lot of our generation is missing that, which is largely why a lot of the generation that we're from is single and isn't finding somebody to really deeply journey with. It's so true. I think we're we're kind of numb to that actually taking back all these layers and looking at one another in their truest authentic self. And I've even noticed in, in my past relationships, I had such high expectations that were not even from me, but just from society of what I thought that relationship should look like or feel like or be like. That just wasn't actually, it was kind of like forcing something that wasn't right. Mm. Yeah. It's like, do you actually want to be with this person that's in front of you? Or do you mm. want to be in the idea of what a relationship could be? And it's and it's not you. I'm not pointing at you. I'm actually pointing at society because mm. this is a systemic piece that we've all inherited from pop culture and media and all those things. Mm. Do you have sex toys in the bedroom? 
sex toys yeah like I feel yeah. like, like any any which way you can think about sex is probably happening in my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> what is the most, give us the tea, like what is the most interesting sexual experience you've had this year? Mm-hmm. This year. <laughs> um, by the way, I'm so loving your podcast. It's like... <laughs> It's the most experience I've had of being like, oh, we just like out for coffee, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's what I want. Yeah, I love that. Um, I mean, it's a little bit like plant medicine now when I'm going into the archives of my mind of like what's the most expi- like wildest experience. I'm like, you know what? Sometimes it, it, it is like that, uh, like what can come up inside of the the unraveling. <sighs> Okay, I'm kind of like totally scapegoating your question. I want to give you the gossip here, but there's like, there's not a lot coming. But we did this workshop at Taste of Love, which is really what we were doing was just replicating what we have in the bedroom in a group, <laughs> right? And um, the experience of, of how we have started journeying sex right now has been this, this process of like, we kind of like open up the trance, that open up the arousal, the energy, and then we sort of say, okay, like, um, I feel like I'm, I'm, there's some things that are coming now, you know, and inside of that, it's almost like a, a little container, a little opening happens and we go, okay, like what is said right now means nothing in the real world. It's just what needs to be said now. And then it just like the weirdest stuff comes through. Like you, like it can make no sense sometimes or sometimes it makes sense. And it's like, you know, some things that come through is like, I want a baby, put a baby in me. Or sometimes it's like, I want, I want to get out of here or like, or like, you know, some of the weird shit that's come through would be like us fighting, but in like a past life, <laughs> like it would be like some sort of like um, past life argument. That's just like, it makes no sense to the characters of who we are as me and my beloved in this lifetime. But it'll be like, we're like in some sort of discussion of something from a different timeline, like, quarrels about like kingdoms or things like this you know like it's so mad anyway so this year in taste of love we um at the festival we literally opened this up and started exploring this in front of a room for the people so we're literally like dropping into our sexuality and then dynamicing with each other and just seeing what words come through and it was just so funny like afterwards people were just like okay (laughs) that just happened (laughs) like and it was and and but people just really got it and I feel like this was the kind of the breaking down of that paradigm of like you need to be masculine or feminine to have Mm. sex and really invited people into like oh you could just be any fucking person you know it's like it's not even to say when I go into a dynamic with my partner that I'm the woman or he's the man anymore it's like it can be so many different realities and so many different parts of us that are speaking and I think that's the truth of the human experience. Like we're not just alive here in this timeline and we're not just, I'm not just a woman. Like inside of me, I have like my little child in me. I have like a, you know, like a fucking hustling man in me. I have like all these different aspects of myself that want to be expressed. Yeah. And the more they can come through in my sex life, the more like expansive and wild and like positions or the experiences or the energies that start to come through, it's just endless. Mm. What do you think in your industry is the biggest misconception? God, where do we start? Like, <laughs> there's so many. Um, like, do people just think that you're, like, having orgies every week and, like, doing all, all the wild things, but it's, like, so not true? Well, I mean, sometimes it's true. You know, it's like it's like there's not, like, one way or the other, you know. It's, like, different times in my life, different yeah. aspects of me, you know. 
one of the most hilarious ones that's come up a few times in my career is like what people think I actually do. I think <laughs> think that I actually sit next to people's beds and like rate them out of 10 on how great they are at sex, you know, like, <laughs> and this concept, even that there is a, a, a fucking out of 10 in sex, you know, like that's a massive misconception of what people think, you know, about what sex is. And I guess a lot of what I'm doing when I'm working with clients or I'm, yeah, like working with my students at the school, New Paradigm Intimacy is getting people to unravel into just like, can you accept however this person's showing up in front of you? Mm. And once you've accepted it, the fun part is dynamicing with whatsoever's coming up in front of you. <laughs> yeah. Say if a couple and a girl's listening right now and maybe they're wanting to go a little bit deeper with just having more connection in the bedroom with her partner, what kind of like tantric or anything that she can kind of like bring in that feels kind of just like, uh, you know, that she's kind of deepening that connection and the intention in the bedroom, would you say would help her? Like what's like the common thing when a couple comes to you and then you kind of navigate them through? Well, first up, there's no common thing. Like I was sharing with my students this morning, I was like, if 10 people come to you with um, premature ejaculation or 10 people come to you with inability to have orgasm, if you treat all those people the same, then you're doing them a disservice. Mm. Relationship to sex that we need to start having as human beings and any kind of sexual problems is to really be present with whatever is showing up because you know, premature ejaculation, for example, or not being out of orgasm can't be fixed with a pill and it can't be fixed with one exercise that suits all. It's yeah. so much more nuanced. And as I've crafted my skills over the you know decade that I've been doing this, I'm just deeper and deeper humbled by how much, how present I really need to be with what is actually displaying in that particular human being. So just to kind of come back to your question, like how do you work with women wanting to meet her partner in a deeper way? I would look at what is it, how is it that she is viewing that person, man or woman? Mm. I don't know, how is she making preconceived ideas about her partner? And I'll just give you an example. Last week I was working with a woman who was like feeling a lot of distrust with her partner and there was a lot of expectations on her partner to provide in a certain way to initiate in a certain way um yeah like all these different things and what I unraveled that to was like oh what if you didn't have the expectation for him to initiate because he's a man what if you didn't have the expectation on him to provide for you in this way because of whatever other beliefs you have around how he should show up because all of that stuff is creating an inability for this man to feel safe when he's having sex with her Like as soon as you meet someone with unconditional love and a capacity to be like, you can show up any way you want right now, you'll have the best sex of your life. Wow. I feel like I know that there's no common theme, but I feel like that is a common theme in a way. Mm. And I think people are very unaware of the safety thing when it's not really spoken or actions, but it's more like your expectation for me is so out of this world that you're not actually seeing me for who I truly am, which is like an unconscious unsafety. Yeah. There's a lot of common themes in the way of what actually comes to you as a practitioner in sexuality, Mm. but how you um, remedy that and help resolve that has to be really nuanced because 
the yeah. way in is different for everybody and what creates safety for one person doesn't create safety for the other even when you were asking me about polyamory and stuff like for some people it is actually just like going towards having sex with other people and that actually creates safety you know and just because people are you know when people are having a, a rupture inside of their relationship usually people go oh that's not a good time to go and have sex with someone else but i spoke to one of my friends this morning and he's like i was literally in i was there when they were having a fight with their partner the other day and he's just gone down to uh, the city and he's had sex with someone else and it's actually exactly what's right for their relationship so it's just like you know the longer you're in this game the more you start to realize there is no fucking way of how safety really is supposed to be it's so true like there's no manual you can read and it's like this is the right way to have an open or a whatever or whatever it's called relationship there's no handbook completely but to most people there is like a really clear guideline of like what's right or wrong which is super interesting it's just expectations and actually if we really sat with like a bunch of people that really were indoctrinate into the rights and wrongs you would find that all of them have a different right and wrong <laughs> you know it's like no family is the same yeah okay i want to wrap this up with a few speedy just quick questions that i want you to like fire away and i just want you to whatever comes to your mind pug's having a sneezing fit <laughs> oh baby pug i love that would you prefer a butt plug or a vibrator butt plug would you prefer to bring an added man or woman into your relationship either would you prefer either if you could okay no let me rephrase this if you could only ever your partner could only ever kiss you or give you oral sex which one would you choose um kiss interesting i love this thank you so much for coming on this podcast i know i just like took you on this like wild (laughs) journey but i just like i love to like ask all the things yeah it's really great i love your style it's awesome